Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Gigabit Nation, broadband talk radio. I'm your host, Craig Settles, and I want to thank everyone in the audience for taking time to be with us today. Our mission is to provide information to help public, private, and nonprofit organizations get faster, better broadband everywhere it needs to be in America. The Broadband Stimulus was an ambitious grant project started in 2009 that committed over $7 billion to the broadband effort. And we're now starting to see the fruits of those investments in various parts of the country, including northern Georgia. The North Georgia Network is a nonprofit communications company that's comprised of five counties and uh, two electric co-ops, basically all bringing together their resources in this project that's building a 1,100-mile fiber optics network throughout uh, those five counties in North Georgia. And the 260-mile fiber ring for that network is done, and some constituents are starting to uh, receive services or are scheduled to receive services this month. So here to give us the scoop on this project is Bruce Abraham, who is the executive director of North Georgia Network. Bruce, welcome to the show. Hey, Craig. Thank you. Glad to be here. This is going to be an interesting uh, conversation. Uh, we, uh, you know, as we talked about a little bit before the show started, you know, you guys are out there. Uh, one of the first group of folks among those various people who receive money who are bringing the, the the product online, the networks online. So give me a – we'll start with, you know, just a synopsis of where you are at the moment, but then, then we'll go back and talk about how you got here. Sure. Uh, we just uh, recently turned up our 260-mile, what we call our transmission line, and uh, we had an earlier conversation. I guess it's considered middle mile in the – in the big world, but it's a 260-mile uh, uh, transmission line that starts in Atlanta, which is the home of the Internet here. Uh, it goes all the way to the North Carolina uh, line. It goes through 12 counties, actually. And uh, uh, we just tested the uh, tested the system, and it uh, runs like gangbusters. I think we've got a, a four-millisecond delay in it. We passed all our tests, and uh, we have a 10-terabit capacity on the on the uh, ring network, and uh, <clears throat> we're getting fabulous results. We uh, have connected uh, our schools and hospitals, and they are moving from generally 5 to 10 megabits to a gigabit service, and we offer a gigabit service out on the edge of this, and um, uh, it's just been a fabulous pro- uh, process and a, and a great project. Uh, uh, Craig. Excellent. The thing that actually caught my attention, there was one sp- particular release about it being used by the schools and um is that the schools in all five counties or is it just uh several of the county schools that'll have it on start you know when classes start um our our and let me backtrack a little bit when we when we applied for this grant uh one of the early on things we did was interview our school systems and just see where they were and what their needs were and they were unanimous in uh needing broadband applications. I mean, these guys are moving towards e-textbooks and uh, online applications and uh, uh, the, the iPads, and uh, so they were outstripping the really the school system's ability to uh, to provide them service. So we, uh, uh, we and it, it's, it's uh, the, the network was actually built, if you look at, it was built across the old state routes uh, uh, <clears throat> up through the mountains, and it's just uh it's in the state routes 
generally go to where the schools are because as communities developed, there were the state routes and there were the towns and there were the schools. So we've been able to reach, uh, I think, eight school systems now, and we have, I think, seven uh, on our on our network, again, who went from probably, uh, you know, a T1 line with, uh, you know, 15 megs to a gigabit of service. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, they just love it. I mean, they're just... Uh, they're just uh they can't they really can't believe it. So <laughs> Well that's a good thing. That's a good thing. So if we turn back the clock a little bit, what was it that inspired the um five counties to come together? Because a number of projects that applied for stimulus money, a number of projects in general actually that are moving forward, um are just a single county or a single city or town or whatever. But you guys right. pull this this conglomerate, if you will, together. What was the thinking behind that? We uh, we have an economic development group up here in the mountains, and uh, I'm a member of that. And, uh, we socialize regularly and compare notes on prospects and infrastructure. I mean, in uh, in rural areas, you still uh, still struggle with building uh, water and sewer and gas, and um, you know, providing and broadband uh, uh, arose as an issue here because we were we were all had stories of how we were trying to recruit companies here to the mountains, whether it's a data center or a call center or an Internet-driven company or even, you know, a lot of the medical folks who had located here and were trying to talk back to Atlanta or trying to talk to the region. And um, we started sharing these stories about this frustration that these folks were having. So we we talked to our local providers who, who, uh, you know, we came to the conclusion that they, you know, that they didn't have the network to support this up here. Uh, and then we uh, we kind of threw in together as a community, and the state of Georgia is very progressive in their uh, uh, in their thinking about the future and technology. And they had some uh, study money for us to study the region up here, and so we studied. I guess it was probably an eight county region to <clears throat> to confirm what we you know anecdotally uh, you know suspected here. And in that, we interviewed the schools and the hospitals and the businesses and and um, and got deep into the, you know, to the networks that were here, and uh, came to the conclusion that uh, you know we uh, we didn't have what it take, what it would take to uh, to uh, recruit a company or an enterprise up here who needed probably more than I'd say it more than a DSL line. Uh, I actually was turning folks away. I lost a contract in a building for an internet company that uh, wanted to move here to the mountains. And they did 24-hour internet uh, business around the world, and they met with our local provider, uh, and uh, they said that uh, it was. They used the word painful. Bruce is just going to be too painful to be here with your infrastructure. So, uh, so we got uh, we we uh, we applied to the state for a study and got two hundred forty thousand dollars for a study, and and uh, the study came back and confirmed what we had what we thought and uh the study recommended a a new generation network up here which of course is our you know fiber network <clears throat> and then just almost serendip- serendipitously <laughs> mm, okay uh, the uh the uh the uh, uh VTOP program came along which is the uh, broadband uh technologies opportunity program and we were pretty much teed up for that uh, we had a lot of uh information, a lot of data uh, on the ground for what we'd learned, and we had our communities organized and all pulling together, if you will, towards this new infrastructure. And um, <clears throat> so we uh, we uh, we went back to these folks, and we 
fortunately, we had two uh, electric membership cor- uh, corporations um, uh, in our area up here who had actually been in fiber for probably 10 years. Uh, and they had kind of gotten into this business for the same reason that we had been into because their customers were demanding – some of their bigger customers were demanding Internet. And uh, so they, they uh, as a you know good community uh, service providers, they started building some fiber to their schools and hospitals. And uh, uh, <clears throat> so uh, we enlisted them as partners in this and investors in this. Uh, and then we had North Georgia College here, or it's North Georgia University, I think it's referred to now as uh, – uh, and they they were they were screaming for uh for bigger internet because they were going from three thousand students to six thousand students and more and they were they were choked on their internet service and so we put all these folks together and uh, and raised money from these folks and uh, the communities put in money and the EMCs put in money and the state put in money and uh, we uh, applied for a forty two million dollar grant of which nine million we were going to provide the matching funds for it and. Uh, and uh, we were elated that uh, you know we were the first project awarded, and we got the uh, got the first grant out of this. So. Excellent. So then you were basically on your way. Now, in terms of planning, because obviously there are those out who who didn't get broadband money but still want to move these projects forward. Right. Um, how do you how do you either structure or structure and manage the process? Because if you've got five counties, or any, call it a multiple multiple counties, you're talking a lot of cities and their respective jurisdictions, and then you have right. the county jurisdictions, which basically right. translates into politics every which way from Sunday. Right. How do you get all these folks on the same on the same page? It takes a lot of talking <laughs> and a lot of relationship building, and uh, going to commissioners' meetings and school board meetings. And I used to say that takes about three meetings before people really got this. Uh, and I find that generally true still with the things that we're working with now. And uh, uh, But, uh, you know, I guess our timing, again, to use that word serendipity that I stumbled over, uh, uh, the economy, this was 2007 when we started uh, organizing this and looking at this. And then in 2008, we were all losing manufacturing companies up here and businesses and services up here, and uh, things were starting to uh, go south on us. And, uh, you know, the economic development guys sit in the middle of these communities, and it's their responsibility to come up with some solutions and some, uh, you know, bring jobs in and keep jobs here. And so uh, they have a lot of credibility with their local communities. And so uh, we we saw this as a, as a solution um, – for uh, for the future to build future infrastructure, uh, a lot of our uh, our for instance, my development authority builds uh, industrial parks, and we build water and sewer and gas, and you know that's the lifeblood of a of a of of a of a, of a company. I mean, uh, folks just don't move up from Atlanta on a septic tank in a in a well; they just won't do it. So uh, this looked to us like uh, a part of the necessary infrastructure to for folks to locate here and to stay here. And so uh, county governments generally got this, after, again, after we talked to them and sat with them and explained where we were going and what what the benefit was to them. And uh, we we literally had little or no resistance to this project, to be honest with you. I mean, it, it looked like a good solution. I told people if there was a better idea out there, you know, tell me and we'll, and we'll chase it. But this was this was a good solution at the time. 
Okay. So people were able then to grasp the vision, grasp the need, and then subsequently, uh, even though you know the the grant pays the bulk of it, nine million isn't exactly chicken feed either. Right. <laughs> That's right. And and then so you got. Uh, now, because you are, you know, there, there's county involvement, counties involvement, and you have co-ops. Did you get much of the, you know, the the public sector and the private sector's business kind of pushback, or was that not considered a, a big deal? Um, no, uh, I mean, fortunately, the EMCs that we work with are nonprofits, and they're. You know, the EMC story is a great story. They go back to, uh, what, the 1920s when they were building electricity out in the middle of nowhere in rural America. Uh, and they get they get this. Um, and uh, they they uh, threw right in with this, especially since they had some experience in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, the private providers weren't, as you know, weren't real happy about this. Uh, and uh, they kept saying, we can do this and we can provide this and we've got this covered and you know they lobbied very heavily. They went to the local uh, boards of commissioners and they went to the local school systems and said, "We don't need this. This is a waste of, of money." And and I, to be honest with you, it just didn't get any traction. Um, I mean, it's kind of like the truth will set you free. And uh, uh, so uh, when we and and we're also very community based. Also, I mean, we're a nonprofit, and uh, all along we have. You know, we 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 wear as our our banner. This is about economic development, job creation, and future creation. And and uh, you know, counties get that. I mean, when they lose a business, they lose a taxpayer, and they lose jobs. And you know, that's that kill that hurts them. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, again, there were some just real dramatic examples of of some losses up here in the community where I was working. They its largest employer on a Monday morning just closed the doors, and they lost 365 jobs. And uh, so, uh, you know, the communities were ready, and, uh, you know, the the private investment, the public investment all came together here um, in a a very, you know, I I guess looking back on it, it's kind of an amazing fashion, but uh, it's kind of one for all and all for one, and we took this attitude that, you know, (laughs) you know, individually we can't do much, but together we can conquer the world. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's that's what we built up here, so. Excellent, excellent. Now, another... Um, management-related question. How do you, once you've harnessed all of this positive energy, you've got all these various people working together, right? So you've overcome the one hurdle that's really not a hurdle, you know, when you get everybody kind of in sync like that, but then you have the challenge of managing it and keeping it all moving forward so that, you know, one part doesn't get ahead of the other and, you know, and I know that the government put you guys through a whole you know, a bunch of hurdles and whatnot, you know, things you had to comply with and so on. Yep. You know, do you use software? Do you use, you know, meetings every day? I mean, how do you, like, from a management perspective, how do you keep all of that flowing logistically? Uh, and, and you're right. We felt like the first firstborn child, and, and everything <laughs> that we <clears throat> everything that we did was the first step, the first piece of paper, the first document. And uh, so I think the we kind of, they kind of cut our teeth on us, but but that was a good experience for us. We're lucky we have some folks inside the EMCs who are uh, who have done federal grants before uh, and uh, and could help keep us keep our keep us on the right place in that. And uh, <clears throat> we had incredibly intense meetings for the first year at least as we organized, and we uh, developed our foundation and our, our our governance foundation and our operational foundation and and. Um, 
we we actually formed a co-op uh, cooperative uh, non 501c12 <clears throat> of which there's three members uh and there's the two EMCs are members and then we we there's a third company called Connect North Georgia that's uh that was chartered to uh kind of be everywhere else if you will and and do a lot of the heavy lifting in areas where the EMCs couldn't provide service and uh <clears throat> it was a very amicable uh single-minded um for the good of the order process um and um i i uh it, it, it i don't know i mean it's i call it a once in a lifetime uh once in a lifetime experience because it all came together well and uh and again i think it's because and and, and i've learned this i mean we're we're nonprofits and we're we're focused on the community good um and of course private providers have 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 different responsibilities and they and they have different things that they that they need to satisfy shareholders and, and investors and uh but but ours is all driven right here it's about doing you know I sound like a do gooder but you know doing good for the community and and creating something here that has a lasting value for them so mm-hmm. now did you you said that there that you guys formed a co-op so is that to say that the in essence the co-ops together with the counties formed like an umbrella co-op uh we 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 had to walk through the structure and uh and uh and make sure this this structure would not not only let us allow to perform on the federal grant but keep all our constituents happy if you will and okay um <clears throat> we formed a what's a community advisory board if you will uh from all the public interests uh, and, we, and the economic development guys sat in there in the state of Georgia and some local businesses, and they were providing guidance in this, and they were participating in the formation. And, uh, uh, of course, you know, I, I myself sat there with this also as the as the guy who kind of patched all these relationships together in this money. And um, and so I, you know, I represented the, the public interest. I, I'm kind of like the guy that, you know, has the – has his feet on both sides of the river and uh you know I balance the public interest and the and the private interest and um mm-hmm. um and uh, and again but I you know I hate to sound like Pollyanna but our our eyes were all pointed uh, you know towards the same place um and um it was it was challenging i mean relationship building partnership building is is uh you know it's like being married uh you know <laughs> I've been married for 33 years, and uh, you know, I, well, I mean, you just uh, you have your good days and your bad days, but you you know, it's that commitment that you honor there. And uh, well, it sounds like in your in your community, as is in many other communities, the the local once you take sort of the large incumbent private sector out of the equation, the local private sector, the local nonprofit community, the local you know community of constituents and local governments are able to work rather nicely together. There isn't a lot of this whole you know where where you know the the public and the private aren't ever able to work together. It seems that the theme in the number of communities is at a local level. You lose a lot of the um, partisan edge that governs, obviously, the Washington discussions on these things, and you you get rid of a lot of that, you know, public versus private, to where it's more we us together kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Am I overstating or simplifying <clears throat> too much? No, I don't think you are. I don't think you are. I've always um, I met with the, the new governor of Georgia after this project was awarded, um, and. Um, 
told him that, uh, you know, just so he was clear about what our mission here is, and I explained to him, I said, this is not something that the, the county where I was doing could do by themselves. Uh, and, uh, again, we if, you know, we were building something for the future, uh, just compared it to the interstate highway. Uh, and uh, I also used to talk about Route 66. If we don't get this interstate highway for the public and the private good, we're going to be like Route 66, and we're going to... And I had a lot of great information at the time. I had some literature on how there's going to be a nation, you know, unfortunately, a nation of broadband has and broadband have-nots, where they have the infrastructure, uh, where those who have the infrastructure will grow and prosper and develop, uh, and those who don't, um, you know, the, uh, they may be left behind. And part of this part of this story, Craig, is, you know, I've got four kids, and they're very much into technology, uh, and they use their cell phones, too, and they're, they're all into this, and... and a lot of the folks in this uh, had observed what this next generation was, uh, you know, where they were going and what they're what they were expecting. Uh, and I would also remind people that that's the next generation of leaders and business people and folks who would decide to be in your community or not in your community. And if we don't build this capacity for them for the future, they they will they will might decide not to be here to locate their business here to live here to. Uh, and that was that was very dramatic for 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 most of the the folks that I talked to, and they were persuaded that this was. And again, this goes back to being an infrastructure capacity that we're building for the future. Um, so hmm, interesting. Now, as we look at um, uh, that build up to where you are today, and as you continue to move forward, how do you manage expectations? Because if if communities don't manage expectations well, either people get ahead of themselves and expect the world and universe to suddenly become utopia, uh, or they, you know, get all pessimistic and you know, woe is us and this is never going to work kind of thing. How do you manage expectations to get the right balance? Well, <clears throat> part of the frustration of this, and it's just it's normal. Uh, you do create huge expectations. You're going to change the world out there, and you know we. Under this the grant that we have, we had limited reach. I mean, we can we're going to make seven thousand drops and build the network and build eleven hundred miles of network. But you're talking a vast area up here that that uh, uh, that we couldn't reach under this uh, you know under the, uh, under this project. And of course, when people hear about this and their neighbor gets it, uh, but you know they're they're on the other side of the mountain, they're frustrated and. We've just had to deal with that and just be honest with people that, you know, we're building, have to go back to we're building the capacity. We're building the transmission line, if you will, here. Uh, we're building, there'll be other providers on the network. There'll be other investment. Uh, but you have the basic ability to go somewhere in the future here. And, you know, folks generally get that um, And um, once you've explained it to them. Um, now, uh, you know, there's uh, this. Uh, you talk about expectations. Our economic development guys and our folks who've been along with us, they want to run out and race ahead, and you know, get the Microsofts of the world to come here, and and uh, you know, create, you know, just uh, you know, tune this here whole area up as a new technology frontier, and uh, that's 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 something that we're going to have to you know work with also, and we've got some plans and programs in place to. Not only tell the world about this network, but demonstrate that you know we have the muscles and the intelligence to um, to, um, to 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 take this network somewhere. So, uh, 
But, I, you know, I, again, I just I, I go back to the place where we didn't have this ability before, and now we have this huge ability. Uh, and it'll be here forever if we take care of it, and it's the future, and uh, they, they, they're pretty much happy with that. So. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the um, schools. We started on that topic, and like I said, that was the subject, actually, of one of the press releases I saw. Yeah. What's the expectation for how education is going to be impacted? I guess, you know, it's hugely, uh, <laughs> and start from there. Um, you know, at the first layer, I guess, the schools can at least talk to each other now. Um, they Schools are probably on the more sharing and uh, cooperative uh, institutions in our, in our culture. Um, and the school IT guys are, uh, they just as our economic development guys had met, they meet and talk and share and, and and support and help each other, uh, and uh, some are way out there, and some are are uh, you know back at the starting gate, depending on what their local school board or their local you know financial situation is. And, um, <clears throat> but they have uh, they have again they were so constrained. Uh, I mean, one school system that we had, um, the state of Georgia sends electronic information uh, to the school systems, and one school system we had north of here. Uh, they had to they had to wait 24 hours to download the information from the state, so you know just those simple operational things are, are, are going to be available to them where they don't you know have to sit and download for 24 hours the state report and then upload 24 hours the state report. Um, but they're also they watch I'm telling you um, they watch the, the younger generation and they watch what's driving them and they watch how they're they're like electronically uh, you know attuned and. Uh, some some have e textbooks in the area. Some are very have been very uh, forward about getting uh, you know electronic uh, education. Uh, they're excited about again it's a sharing of information. We have our, our local university here. They teach Chinese and Russian and Spanish and things, and uh, they're, they're going to wire this network for an internal network up where where um, you know you, you can teach a course here at the college and the uh, and the schools can have. 300 kids sitting out there through a wired connection and, uh, you know, uh, real-time interface back and forth and have access to things that they couldn't have before. And don't underestimate that. I mean, it's tough getting the higher-level work in schools. Um, You know, you don't – it's tough getting the higher-level math classes in areas where you have a school system who maybe can't afford those level of teachers. It's tough getting the uh, instructional, the, the the language classes, the higher level stuff. Because, but but you know, this the expectations are that this network will open up a lot of those uh, you know higher level things that they couldn't reach before. And there's a great excitement about that. So, mm-hmm. so it's basically like li- delivering the uh, uh, the AP courses and the advanced sciences and so forth, uh, just because of teachers and resources. I mean, just you know your materials, and then you've got the teachers. And rural areas tend to to struggle with this, I'm, I'm, as I understand. Absolutely. I mean, it's the same principle with medical, also. I mean, there's there's conversations about uh, <clears throat> hospitals being able to talk to doctors' offices and uh, get medical information back and forth in the, through those offices and share real time medical uh, medical expertise and doctors and uh, and uh, 
it's just a real-time ability uh, to get access to, to 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 intelligence and to and to things that uh, that are phys- have been physically hard to reach. You know, my ki- my kids came up through a, a school system where the the college teacher had to travel 30 miles. Uh, they took some in their senior years took some um, college level courses, and the college teacher would have to come in the evenings and drive 30 miles to get there. And then uh, they'd have a class twice a, twice a week, <clears throat> and uh, then they had to fund that, and they had to manage that, and they had to and they had to get a teacher that would do that, and uh, this just starts breaking all that stuff down. Where these, you know, where you can get, I mean, we, and we can get access to any use in a university in the world. We're also talking with Georgia Tech down in Atlanta, and of course they have a you know amazing technology capacity and. Um, I think they're working with a school up in the region now with an electron micro- microscope where the kids can actually operate an electron microscope at Georgia Tech, you know, through their network. I mean, and, and uh, you know, just the very exposure to kids by this is mm-hmm. is one thing, but then to be able to operate and say, I can do that, or I can get that at Tech, or I mean, that, and again, we're ju- we're just on the we're just on the blast off platform for this, so that's mm-hmm. where we're, you know, so I'm. Of course, I'm an optimist. You know, I'm a great optimist. <laughs> Wouldn't have four kids and be married 33 years if I wasn't an optimist. Hallelujah! Okay? Day. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> you know, I tell my think. kids the world is gonna, the sun is gonna shine again. So. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I'm sure you have many days where you have to keep reiterating that message. Um, now, do you have a, I don't know what it might be called, but like a committee or a curriculum committee or what have you, that is maybe mapping out. How the the different school districts will take advantage of the network? That really hasn't congealed yet, and I say okay. they just got they just got connectivity, okay. and they're so like so a we're kid. We're pushing a little fast on that one. <laughs> yeah, they're like a kid in the candy store now, and uh, <clears throat> they're they're actually tuning up their their equipment and the gear to to get what they need and and to distribute it out to the schools. And uh, but the social network is there for them to talk and for them to develop, and the and the uh, the college is here for to talk and develop. So. You know, we we'll take it a step at a time. But again, these relationships were forged back, you know, years ago, where these these folks, uh, you know, pledged to cooperate with each other towards a towards a bigger dream here. So, uh, you know, those those doors are open, and and nothing's nothing's closing them. So, mm-hmm. uh, this is all this is all pretty good. I mean, I I had a conversation. In fact, I have an article coming out in a day or two. That will talk about uh, what, you know putting one of these networks in place and how it can break down barriers between silos that have built up over time. You know, silos between districts, silos between IT and teachers, and and yeah. students and parents and teachers, and all of that. Right. And and one of the big benefits they're they're looking at this was in 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 Kansas City, right, where they have the Google network uh, coming together. You know, they're talking about breaking down those barriers, and in many respects. Your your network becomes the leveler. It basically becomes right. the place where everybody can play. And if your more advanced schools or your more prosperous schools have certain resources, the disadvantaged schools can take advantage of those. And it's right. not about traveling and moving kids between different schools. It's all about basically making all of those resources available so that you can log on to it from wherever you might be. Right, 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 right. And I guess uh, something, that, uh, Craig, you may have written this, but the the notion of the teaching and the, as the kids being the sage on the stage, if you will, where they 
the teacher downloads a certain amount of inf- information to the kids and they you know spit it back in a test. They're talking about te- teachers being inf- information facilitators now, where they guide kids towards information and um, you know towards <clears throat> towards their you know electronic textbooks and resources and in groups and and I mean the it looks like the internet is the is the new big library of course and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, that's you know that's that I think you will see more of that uh, obviously. I mean, information is a hard thing to keep in a can. Uh, oh, indeed. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I think you will also. And this is, you know, I, I'll, I'll get on my my stage here a little bit, but I hope that this also makes higher education more accessible to more kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that the folks that control the resources, you know, the the, the textbooks and the curriculum sources and things like that. Don't get their arms too much around information to to ration it out uh, over the internet, uh, because because I'll, you know this this is about access. This is about lifting folks up with information, and uh, uh, you know I I just hope that it's you know I, in other words I hope we don't create a college course that would cost you three hundred dollars and now you get over the internet and it costs you two ninety five. Right. Uh, I, I hope it drives down the cost of education as well as the accessibility to education. And, you know, I know from my own personal experience, I, I, I coach kids for 15 years, and I spend a lot of time with young people and what they do and how they think. And and I see this as this is a this, – we're just building a bridge for a lot of kids who won't be able to reach this or can't even dream about going to college or taking a college course. Just that initial exposure and access to that, uh, you know, it's going to open doors for these kids. And uh and uh, I, I hope we don't mess it up, Craig. Okay, I hope I hope that the I hope that the forces that are driving this project for abundance and accessibility don't restrict this, where these kids can't can't reach this uh, you know uh, 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 prosperity and this abundance that we're we, you know we're, we're we're trying to provide for them. No, I, I totally you know I totally agree because this makes a lot of sense. And there is a onus to be successful. I think that you know we we get we get people who push back on this push back on the stimulus, and they talk about you know will we get money back and will we create jobs? And they kind of look for a you know if we put a dollar in, do we get a dollar back? And right. I think the onus is more on the kinds of things you described, which is you know using this as a leveling of of uh, access to resources and using it as a way to. Uh, help people move to a higher level of prosperity, which isn't an automatic, and it doesn't happen just in a you know just in a in a, in a year even. It, it's something that takes a little bit of time. But what it sounds like that you have going in your advantage is that you have a a social network as well as you know the physical network to help people collaborate and move the ball forward collectively. Absolutely. Which, which is uh, makes a lot of sense. Now let me ask one question I have not ever heard asked or or discussed yet, so we can maybe set a first here on the show. Sure. How do you see the, this network impacting homeschooling? Because homeschooling has become a fairly significant part of the education landscape, but at mm-hmm. the same time, you know, it happens somewhat in isolation. I mean, granted, parents that are homeschooling talk to other parents. 
but mm-hmm. it is a sort of you've got the school system and you've got the private school system and you've got the, the homeschooling thing. What mm-hmm. happens to homeschooling with the with the network in place? I, do you think? I I think that will uh, be I, I think that will be more accessible. Also, I mean, it, it has to. Uh, 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 I know in uh, certain parts of our region, when we uh, surveyed initially under the state grant, we had we had counties where 30% of the kids didn't have access to the internet. Uh, and so just by the very accent, access, as you talked about, we'll, we'll open that door. And then, you know, I, again, I have found these school systems to be just uh, uh, very supportive of, of, uh, of, of the abundance of learning here, uh, particularly in the rural areas. Uh, you know, homeschooling, like anything else, started, uh, you know, years ago in a, uh, in a in in a, in a fashion that nobody understood, but it seems to be very fairly sophisticated now. With uh, you know lots of curriculum choices, uh, homeschoolers are playing fo- on the local football team. So it, it's like anything else in our culture. It's probably moving towards the center, and it will be provided for. I mean, those homeschool parents are paying school taxes, uh, and um, um, and I, I, again, I just I, I think it's going to happen. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't. Other other than you know state rules and regs on head, uh, you know uh, uh, seat count and things like that, which which you know uh, again, are, the younger generation of of leaders and legislators, I think, are going to break a lot of that stuff down too, as they see they are they're growing up in this and they see the a, a wider view of education. So. Because mm-hmm. in in theory, if I look at something that someone described would happen within corporations. Said the more these networks come into place, the flatter the hierarchy happens in corporations. As you've got more telecommuters and you've got you know smaller subunits basically that are latched to the main network, but they don't necessarily have to be in the same physical space. Right. Um, I think. Wouldn't you think that 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 you would have a flattening of education systems. I mean, yes, you will still have the K through 12. You know, you have that sort of stratification happening. But all of a sudden, if all of your communities, your districts are connected, and they are also connected internationally and nationally, that the traditional concept of school, you know, with its hierarchy and its top-down and teacher-down to the class thing, is going to all of a sudden dramatically shift. I mean, you have people, you know, students helping other students, you know, student courses, projects could be, you know, become an international exercise. If I've got a geography assignment in one class, you know, there in Georgia, you know, if it's about Africa, well, I can link to Africa. If it's about Southeast Asia, I can link to uh, Southeast Asia. In other words, it, it just dramatically changes, but it also flattens the, the, the hierarchical process of learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm with you. I mean, I'm just thinking about the textbook. The textbook is is data storage, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you go through a sequence of uh, of absorbing data at different levels. I mean, I'm no educator here, so I'm way out of my field. But I'm just <laughs> thinking about what the what the technology allows, and and all of a sudden you have inf- you have access to all the data and all the information in the world, and it's and it's organic and it's growing and it's being added to. And and educational systems, uh, well, they'll use it smartly. And they'll, you know, they'll, 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 they'll guide it towards a, a product. Uh, I, I think the, uh, you know, it's it's uh, again, unless there are powerful forces who, you know, selfish interest forces that come in and take control of this. Which, again, you know, where I'm sitting, we have such needs now in this <clears throat> in this country to uh, 
to to migrate towards the new world, you know, away from the industrial age where everything was done sequentially on an assembly line, uh, and you added value, you know, at different stations as we do in education, to uh, <clears throat> you know a universe of, of of possibilities and ideas and, and information where the kids could be guided and they'll guide themselves towards. Uh, you know, towards towards what they need to know and what they need to think about. I mean, I, I don't mean to sound way out in the clouds on that, but but again, this this is such. I mean, this, the the internet's only what thirty years old here, and I go back to uh, the industrial age. We're kind of in the, uh, the the steam engine age, if you will, of of the industrial age with the internet age, and so it's it's hard to predict the you know the combustion engine that we're going to build out there and the uh, highway systems that we'll build to support that and. Uh, and uh, you know, I'm just again, I'm just very optimistic that we've unleashed a uh, you know capacity and potential here. And again, you know, I hate to if if we prove ourselves true as Americans and we innovate and we invest and we push the edge of the future, we'll figure this out and we will build this. You know, so. Look, you know, it's interesting that you brought up the the, the question about you know the cost of a course or the cost of sort of specialized training. One of the um, guests in the uh, in the chat room brought up this idea of um, oh, where to go. Hold on a second here. You know, rethinking the four-year college commitment, you know, the four-year degree as a process, number one, but along with that is the cost-benefit of, you know, going to four-year colleges. And, you know, because it has become uh, a, a big factor. I mean, it's why we talk about, you know, the debt of, you know, there's so many kids in debt after graduating that as a nation, you know, we're, we're suffering under that debt. In, you know, you're describing being attached to various colleges in Georgia. You know, I'm talking about having international access to other school kids and school programs. How dramatically, if you're going to blue sky this, can we change the the cost benefit of the traditional college education? Well, you know, I, I mean, I, I see it on a couple of fronts uh, where some of your Ivy League, Ivy League folks are offering a free education. I mean, I don't know if it's they're still struggling with the credit worthiness of, uh, of of access to their coursework. And then you have a lot of internet schools and private schools that are developing things. And these are all these are all development things around the edge of this, as, as we talk about. Um, you know, I, I think. <laughs> I think it's going to be fundamental that we get a uh, you know a generation of folks who have grown up with this technology, mm-hmm. and to it's it's to them it's it's ubiquitous. If it's not there, they're going to figure out a way to use it, and they're going to and they will continue to flatten and level and make more affordable uh, this this technology. I, I uh, <clears throat> and 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 the investment in this is huge. I mean, if you I mean. I mean, just like we invested in the industrial age in machines and productivity, there's a similar amount of investment coming into coming into this information age and, and applications, and, uh, uh, and, and um, it's 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 going to happen. We just gotta, you know, we just gotta, uh, you know, we we just gotta look, turn our kids loose, and and uh, you know, I mean, honestly, I mean, my kids, you know. Uh, you know they run circles around me, and uh, they figure this out. So it's intuitive to them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I grew up with a transistor radio, uh, and uh, this is this is they grew up with this. They understand this, and and it's it's hard to hold them back. 
uh, I can right. tell you it's hard to hold them back. So Interesting. So let me shift gears a little bit. Uh, I know there's a lot more we can say about education, but uh, economic development is a topic on my mind because – I'm getting ready to do our my annual survey of economic development professionals and and to get their take on broadband's impact on economic development. And you yeah, mentioned good report uh, by the way. Oh, thank you, thank you. I read much. it. Yeah, very good. Okay, report. well, good. There's, everybody else is listening. That there is a non-solicited endorsement. You want to see that report when it comes out, which will be September this year. Um, yeah. Now you mentioned that you you know your background is 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 in economic development. Let me start with one of, the, one of probably the most commonly asked burning questions, which is, can you draw a definitive line between broadband and economic impact, uh, or is it you know, 40% or 50% anecdotal and 50% sort of quantitative? What's your, what's your take on that? My take is that we're still going through a, you know, kind of a reorganization. Uh, there's some destruction going on, as you know, um, with the technology of, and it's, uh, you know, it's the same destruction they had when you started the industrial age. I mean, uh, uh, you know, move folks off the farm and the plow to a, to a, to a factory somewhere, and they had to, their skills were were different, and uh, they had to retrain, and, uh, um, you know, we're we're, we're you know, we're going to a different place now. Um, and um, Craig, I actually, you know, I went down a trail. And I actually forgot your question. I hate to be so you know, no, 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 dopey no, no, about it, this, it, but it has to do with um, you know, you've got people talking, asking the question: Can you draw a definitive line between broadband and economic impact? And gotcha. you know, is it mostly qualitative, the gotcha. data or the support, or is it a combination of qualitative and quantitative? What's your take? Gotcha. You know, we we try to put numbers and metrics on it because that's you know an economic development guy always has to prove his salt and say, well, last year we you know through our efforts we created uh, you know 300 jobs and we retained 100 jobs. I mean that's what communities like to hear. Um, we are actually uh, going putting together an economic de- development plan here on top of the network to. To measure the before and after afterwards effects of the network, um, and as we look at other states, when they some folks have done this already, and they say take they look at the barber shop without technology and the barber shop with technology, and how many barbers they've been able to add and what the revenue has been able to uh, you know increase based on their ability to be, okay, let's, the little local barbershop in the corner versus the barbershop who's on Facebook and does Twitter and has a has a, a group of folks out there where they offer them coupons. And, uh, I mean, that, that seems to seems to kind of drive it. The more, the more outreach, the more forward-looking. And also the internal processes is also, I've seen, I've seen folks here where they've gotten a big server and some applications and they increase the, I mean, they increase their productivity internally, uh, and, and these are companies that are connected all over the world. I mean, I, I'm working with, we're working with a company that uh, you know does business all over the world, and they get orders from all over the world, and they have to turn around and produce these things, and they're generally custom orders, uh, and then they have to ship them, and uh, and the whole the whole supply the whole demand and supply chain is being reshaped because. You know they they can move big files back and forth and they can customize and in their plant they can use technology to you know to produce quicker and then they can ship and they can tune in particularly custom products which we in America seem to be the best at mm-hmm. uh, to to reach those markets and to get out there so uh, 
But again, we're we're reaching for metrics ourselves. We've actually got a process that we're 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 going to look at the landscape here uh, in North Georgia with the you know the jobs and the revenue, and then look at it a year hence and see what effect this has had with people who have had access to this network. So, mm-hmm. oh, that's good. So you you are basically putting met- various types of uh, metrics in place then for that kind of analysis. Right. Okay. And um, it's, a lot of that is, is really is the proof is in the pudding too. I mean, the, uh, to, to demonstrate to other like kind that you know if you do this, this will happen. Uh, you know, businesses are heads down and just making a living day to day and keeping the trains running. And uh, <laughs> if they look up and see that, you know, well, I could use that cloud application or I could, uh, you know, use that sales and marketing piece there and I could do this. And then they did it and they made more money and they hired five people. You know, that's kind of the proof in the pudding that we're trying to demonstrate. It's not it's not to defend our that we did, you know, great and marvelous things and we created uh you know, it's created uh, a new economy. I mean, we 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 see it as a teaching exercise again to keep demonstrating that, you know, hey, uh, these guys did this, and you can do it too, Craig. So right now, I um, I know that the folks in Chattanooga are uh, are looking at or have actually been doing some of that as well. That uh, creating and quantifying. Are you part of the the US Ignite program? No, no, we're not. We're not. Okay, we're not. One of the, one of the things that US Ignite wants to do, and just by background uh, for for the listeners, I have a show in the uh, I don't know about a month or so ago where I spent an hour and a half talking to two of the founders of US Ignite. But one of their objectives is to create some sort of you know checklist or um, best practices or or just quantifiable data, so that basically what they're doing is. Tr- wanting to do is capture data from all of you that have various broadband projects in place mm-hmm. to somewhere start to put together this information to say, okay, these are the reasonable things that you can expect. Some mm-hmm. will be qualify, uh, quantifiable uh, results. Some will be qualitative results, warm and fuzzy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, I, I put that out there as a, you know, if you have time at some point, mm-hmm. you know, might want to look into U.S. Ignite, but also our listeners may want to uh, keep tabs of them as well because mm-hmm. that's one of the outcomes they want from their program in, in addition to inspiring, you know, applications to take advantage of high-speed networks. They mm-hmm. also want to have in place some, some, some set of data that helps other people make decisions but also measure their progress. Right, right. And I think that would right. be very valuable. Yeah, I'm with uh, you. Uh, but no, but again, I, I I say we're trying to keep and and I've always we we stay as low to the ground here as we can. That means we keep our eye on our local businesses, local communities. Uh, you know, I I can tell you, you can get way up in the clouds and you can uh, you know chase chase the big things out there with the national movements and stuff. But you know, as long as long as you're you know paying attention to what's going on locally and you know a customer at a time, if you will, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean that that focus is what's going to change the world, uh, I believe. So mm-hmm. now, um, yeah. are you familiar with Internet too? Uh, yeah, just uh, enough to be dangerous. That's all right. That's all right. Because one of the another guest in the um, chat room uh, was wondering if you're planning to use Internet too <clears throat> to go beyond the the local colleges and universities to include museums and aquariums and I guess those types of uh, resources. We uh, actually had a discussion the other day about Internet, too. Um, I know it's the educational network that 
you know, higher institution education institutions have access to. Um, I'm sure that we will be involved in that. It looks like a development pipe as much as anything. Um, and uh, again, as we explore these college relationships and help them develop and talk to each other, uh, I'm sure we'll be involved in that. But uh, but uh, but uh, that that. You know, it's it's and again, there's probably Internet three and Internet four on top of this different you know different Internet uh, uh, pipes up there for your different worlds to operate off of. Um, mm-hmm. And and I, and I go back to these networks. These networks allow this stuff. I mean, you couldn't do this before on a you know on a DSL line. I mean, uh, you know, this fiber. And I know you've heard this, but this fiber has infinite capacity. Mm-hmm. Put as much light in there as you as the sun can shine. Uh, it's only limited by the you know by the equipment that it can deliver. So uh, again, the the infrastructure, the road, the interstate, the technology opens up these things where these folks can uh, can do this. But again, there's a the, uh, let me when we've been out in the field talking to folks about fiber and getting those connections, one thing that you'll hear is that we they don't really know what to do with it, and they have. You know, they haven't been in the driver's seat before. How do you drive this? Where does this go? What does it do? And so that's the challenge next, I think, is to educate and expose and, and for people to share information and grow those applications where they know what to do with it. And it and it creates, you know, real value for them. So. Mm-hmm. so now in the last part of our show, let's get into a few more, you know, tips and advice from those of you in the trenches. Um you you talked about um you know you get everybody on the same page and some of this stuff will 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 take care of itself are there some other i don't know tips or advice you'd want to give you know once you start seeing the daylight once you start getting these networks built and you're starting to get customer customers constituents and so forth how do you keep the forward momentum of the network going from your um I, you know i i personally think it's on successes i think it's you know, we can't help but be happy when uh, we give a business, uh, you know, uh, 30 megabit, and all of a sudden they're, you know, doing amazing things and they're jumping up and down. Um, I, and I think successes are going to be kind of viral, uh, that folks will talk to each other in chamber of commerce meetings. I mean, our local chamber of commerce here, and all all, all of them want to be involved and they want to help teach and. They want to help promote and show because again, that's business, uh, you know, capacity that that that, that they're building. Um, I, um, I I I think it's I think it's a matter of just again, uh, you know, exposing this to folks and teaching them and showing them, and um, and and then uh, you know, letting letting and you know, there's there's this, there's this. There's a huge movement behind it here to uh, to uh, to uh, to fill in this pipe here now, and so uh, you know we'll just have to expose it to them, see what they'll do with it. So, mm-hmm. but you're keeping a pretty positive attitude, and and your folks seem to be uh, well connected. And I'm assuming that you're using the technology to actually keep some of this momentum going. I mean, you're able to now, you know, obviously meet and and video conference to your heart's delight because now you're going to have this fast. Network and a lot of that is what keeps the projects going. You know, keeping all your projects teams coordinated and in touch with each other and so forth. Right, right. Good. We did that ordinarily. Now we've got uh, we've got 
we've got uh, large screens in all our locations, and uh, rather than drive an hour and a half, we you know tune up the uh, for a conference uh, for a video conference. And, uh, we do it with our board meetings sometimes, and we do it as we can to expose people to that. Uh, mm-hmm. We're talking about a center here in the middle of this where we expose people to that technology and let them use it. I mean, because it's like anything else, you got to try this tool out and see what it does for you. So, uh, no, that, that, that all that all makes sense. Were there any? And we've only got about three minutes or so to go. Were there any big surprises uh, that caught you maybe a little off guard, and how did you resolve that? Big surprises. I don't think so. I mean, I, I, um, big surprises. It's. You know, it's it's been a it's been a I've never, and we as an organization have never, never keep so many balls up in the air with a huge federal grant and all its responsibilities, and another state grant for two and a half million, and then the counties involved, and uh, and then the EMCs and their participation, and and all the folks. Um, I you know I'm actually surprised that it all came off and it worked as well as it did. <laughs> Well, don't, don't um, let me jinx you know, it there. Don't let me put it back. Well, I, I, I don't. I don't really know if you can. Uh, um, and uh, I just, uh, I, I would, I would be surprised if this, you know, it. Yeah, again, we created this information superhighway up here, uh, and that was the goal of this to just build this. And you know, it's, 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 you know, it's like using the interstate when I was a kid. We got on it, and there was nobody on it. My dad said, "Boy, this is a great place to go to Florida, isn't it?" And uh, it was just the beginnings of it. And uh, you know, we're opening up to folks, and we're making it available. They'll figure out ways to ways to do with it. The school systems will soar with it. Businesses will find ways to 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 uh, to use it. And uh, you know, we I, I'm just very proud that we hung together enough to you know to build this great capacity up here that we didn't have before. So in the, in the last two minutes, and this is sort of a leading question, I'm sure that I would get called for in court, but um, there's been a lot of criticism in certain quarters of the stimulus program. From mm-hmm. your perspective, was the stimulus program worth it? At least I can only the broadband. <laughs> well, yeah, I can only speak to the broadband part of it, and I can and uh, I have a firm belief that these 200 networks wouldn't have been built without this. And these are 200 modern technology networks, fiber networks, uh, uh, non-copper new networks that are being built out there. And, and again, the same conversation I had with the governor. I said, we couldn't do this on our own. We couldn't do this by ourselves. Local communities can barely build a sewer line. But if we all throw in together and and build these and interconnect them, uh, you know, something, uh, the future is going to happen. And, again, I think everybody believed this because they had a cell phone in their pocket and their kids were using the Internet, and they said, Yep, there's something going on here. We better we better get on this wagon, or it's going to leave us behind. So. <laughs> and there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I think that pretty much is you know a good cap for uh, for this show. I mean, there's a, there's a lot going on. Uh, I, I want to come back and talk to you guys again about uh, you know what's been happening and how your progress is. Uh, the education thing is important. The economic part, the economic development part, is definitely important. So, you know, thank you, Bruce, for, for taking time today to be here and explaining all this good stuff. You know, I and, and, and our audience really appreciate uh, this information. So thank you. Thank you, Craig. Appreciate it. And uh, thanks to our audience for being here once again, uh, keeping this show going. Uh, much thanks to our uh, sponsor, 
which is Team Fischl. They, uh, as their tagline says, they are the best choice for fiber network design, construction, installation, and maintenance. These guys have it going on, so check them out. The link to that is uh, on the uh, page when you got to the show. Uh, Everyone else, uh, thanks again. We will talk again very soon. Take care and have a great day. Are we off, Greg?